Hell yes, you spiritual badass. The play button you just hit brought you into a world of your own magic where you can be, do, and have anything. Where the possibilities are endless and you are limitless. I'm Janessa McKenzie, your guide on this journey, an NLP practitioner, master mindset coach, and an intuitive and lunar living expert. Join me in mixing the woo with the do to elevate you to be the best version of you that you can be. Raise the collective consciousness to a higher frequency so we all rise and many, many future generations continue to rise. We're going to unlearn all the bullshit that we've been taught and conditioned to believe and shift into the next paradigm of truth and to walk along the spiritual path, whatever that looks like for you, to find more love, light, joy, and gratitude. I'm sharing all the knowledge I have and will continue to acquire to help you to live the best possible life of abundance, growth, and self-love. You can manifest your dreams. You can create your own incredible reality. You are meant for more. You deserve more. You can be, do, have whatever you want because you are limitless. You are a spiritual badass. Let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome back to the You Spiritual Badass podcast. I am here today with Raphael Van Workum, and she is an awakening coach, intuitive, and a counselor. She works with people to support their spiritual awakening journey, and she's recently written a book about the awakening process and how to navigate this in a safe and grounded way so you can empower your journey. Today, we're going to talk about healing your inner child. And uh, right before we started talking, I told her that this might just be a therapy session for me. So, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But I'm excited to talk to you today, Raphael. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really great. I'm here in New Zealand. We're early morning, so it's nice. I'm very bubbly in the morning, so it's actually a great time to be recording this. (laughs) Oh, good, good. Yes, and I'm just about ending my day here. It's like three o'clock, so after you, I am like done, and um, so that'll be good. It's gonna roll. You're starting, and I'm ending. Yeah, yeah, love it, (laughs) love it. (laughs) Balance the energies. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about you and what you do. So I see you're a qualified trainer, uh, a qualified counselor. So tell me what that means exactly to help people through trauma. What does that mean? Hmm. So um, to share a bit about that, I guess I have to explain a bit about what got me, got me into this place. Yeah. Yeah. So So I am. I was like your typical kind of corporate working gal, basically borderline atheist, believe it or not. I used wow. to look at people like what we do now and go, oh, that's a bit weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <that> a lot. <laughs> literally. Um, and then uh, in 2016, I was traveling um, overseas and I went to a nightclub in Scotland and I actually got drugged there. Oh, no. Yeah. And, um, I had this experience of like all of these colors and lights and psychedelics and everything. And I was very fortunate that I was with, um, some friends who took care of me. Um, but basically I was like having this like pretty crazy trip. Mm. And then the next day I woke up and I hadn't ended the trip. 
I still kind of saw all of the lights and the colors and the visions and the spirits. And I was like, oh my God, I am going crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I spent the next, like then basically the very short version is that I spent the next couple of years trying to unpack and understand what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a spiritual point of view, and I had to deal with a lot of um, anxiety around the mental health system and not getting caught up in the mental health system, mm-hmm. um, but actually getting support holistically. So also seeing a, a spiritual coach who helped me understand what it, you know, you're not crazy. You're seeing spirits, you're having visions, you're seeing energy. Like this is something that happens to some people. Mm. Um, but of course, as, as you've probably experienced from, from the sounds of your journey, um, the there's a lot of like unpacking to do in that and a lot of like fear to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And so during that process, I spent a lot of time going to, doing therapy and seeing spiritual counselors and physical health things and all sorts of stuff went on. And then I ended up going into doing readings and that kind of led into starting to do coaching, which was this natural progression from working out how to heal myself mm-hmm. and how to move forward from a whole lot of experiences that I'd had. It just kind of organically happened. Um, and then when I was starting into that, I was about maybe seven, eight months, um, in, and I was moving into doing it full time. Cause it kind of all took off very quickly. And I realized that a lot of the people that I was helping and a lot of the work I was doing was very, very intense. Mm-hmm. And it was things like in a child in, in a children healing that we're going to talk about today, but it was mm-hmm. also about sexual assault and, um, um, you know, drugging experiences like I had, um, domestic violence, um, divorce, you know, high anxiety, grief, all sorts of stuff that I was helping to work through with people and helping to coach them with. And I, and I sort of thought to myself, am I really qualified? Do I really have this foundation that I feel really comfortable that I can take people through this whole journey? Mm. And at the time, the answer was uh, not really, especially <laughs> especially coming from such a grounded background and coming from corporate and literally being a contractor and like knowing, you know, the um, the process of you know that that part of society and how that might not be accessible then to people because they go, oh, well, she doesn't have any training. So that kind of led me to go, I want to actually get a really grounded qualification that can balance the spirituality with the counseling aspect. And I, and I absolutely love the phrase that you have about mixing the woo with the do. Yeah. <laughs> that just <laughs> popped into my head as you were saying yeah. it. That's what was yeah, going to come out yeah. of my mouth next. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm, we are so alike in that sense. Like I'm all about taking actions and having something that is grounded, but also spiritually connected and intuitively aligned. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was the natural step was to go and get a qualification, which was a pretty intensive one, 18 months, um, mm-hmm. and studied for that. So I 
could have that foundation that also supported the coaching um, certificates that I've done and, you know, all of the experiences I've had and the work I've been doing as well. Mm, I love that. Mm. So, oh, go, go ahead. Were you going to say something else? Oh, no, no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I love that you say that you teach a technique of reparenting and connecting with all the different inner child energies within you rather than trying to lump the energy into one inner child because that's how I always thought about it I'm like oh like inner child is in it how many inner childs we got like you know (laughs) in in my own head I'm thinking to myself like like before I even you know read this thinking about like inner child healing would be like my and like how many do I should I have you know what I mean like I would think that there would be only one yeah and and that's one of those really common misperceptions that Mm. that I think a lot of people have is that you have this this idea that there's this one inner child (laughs) that kind of holds all of that energy of you being a kid Mm. but the when we if we take a step back and think about it right along your journey and during your childhood, if we just narrow it down to like zero to 18, right? Mm -hmm. The person that you were as a two-year-old and the needs and the emotions and the things that were going on in your life at that time were so different to what was going on when you were six Mm. or when you were 12, right? Yeah. And so when we try to go, okay, there's one in a child, it's like, well, what age is that in a child? Mm. And often when people do in a child healing singular, the child that comes forward is the loudest, the bossiest, the stroppiest, the most, sometimes the most traumatized mm. energy within you. But those other parts of you, those other needs, like your inner, you know, you the inner toddler, the the baby in you that you were when you sort of, you know, were in vitro when you first came out, mm. you know, all of those parts of you then get put into the, the corners and get ignored. Right. Yes. That makes so much more sense because you're right. It's like a different, you're a different person at like different stages of your life. So why would you not have, you know, inner child healing that are in different stages of your childhood? Hmm. Exactly. And, and a lot of people especially find that they can recognize the separations of the different energies if they experience, unfortunately, but if they experience some sort of trauma of some sort in their childhood. So mm-hmm. you might have like had a really bad experience being bullied as a child, or you might have like moved and that might have been very stressful for you. And that inner child energy before that, that was in a, a more stable or happier or healthier space that child then gets put to the side and as an adult the child that comes up and gets triggered and sort of has a goal the time from in you when that inner child gets triggered is that one that is hurting or is yeah and the usually the one that's in the most pain unfortunately Mm. yeah that's interesting as you're saying it, I'm going like over my childhood, in my head, <laughs> like, Hmm, what would be the different energies there? But, um, 
so how do you lead somebody through something like that? Mm. So what we do usually is I, I often give people information like this and then send them away because my, my coaching technique is all about homework mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting people to reflect and do the work in between. Yeah. And so I usually send them away with the, uh, some, some questions, mm-hmm. um, which I'll be, um, providing, uh, to, to all the listeners. Mm. Um, and these are questions to start thinking and triggering, thinking about why your inner child is that loudest voice or what other inner children you can identify in yourself. And then usually what I do in coaching is that we'll go in and do a visualization of connecting with other inner children. Mm. And usually what I suggest to people, especially for any listeners who are going to go and do some work on their own after this, is try to connect into some of those more settled, happier times in your childhood, if you had them. Mm-hmm. Um, and get to know that inner child. And so what we do is we go in with a visualization where we're visualizing being the adult that we are now, going into a space that that inner child would have felt safe in. So it it might be your bedroom, it might be your friend's house, it might have been like the backseat of the car, but somewhere where it felt safe for that inner child. Mm-hmm. And then calling them in and visualizing them coming to, to meet with you and just hearing them out. So, so letting them, if they can talk, if they're old enough to, to be talking, just mm-hmm. asking them questions and having a conversation like you would with a child who was that age physically with you. Mm. So you're your age now, but you're talking to a child like you would talk to, like, say you were three or four or five, you're talking yeah. to it. Like I would talk to a child at that age right now. Yeah, absolutely. So like for you, it would be like, how, how do you talk with your, you know, your, your grandchildren, for example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then as you would, as you're talking with them, you're understanding them more and understanding what energy is alive in them, why that they are reacting the way they are, because some of the, uh, some of our inner children are really sad. They're really isolated. They're really lonely because that was the experience that you had at that age growing up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're really angry because they, they weren't being listened to. They weren't being heard. But also sometimes they're really joyful and playful and they just want to like do art. And, and, and so it's about going in and recognizing where they're at and w- essentially where you at with the, you are at with that energy. Yeah. And, and then un- unpacking it a bit and then depending on what the inner child's needs are, addressing those needs. Mm. So you can, you can go in and you know if you're talking to like a 10 or 12 or 13 year old you then you could ask like what do you need from me it's it's a little less like it's a little more complicated to do when it's like a a really young version of you like I've done a lot of work with people who've had traumatic births Mm -hmm. and that can be really hard because you're visualizing this energy that's so 
innate and you're feeling this terror and the and you can't so easily explain that to a you know newborn baby Mm. Um, but with a lot of inner children what's required is sitting with them and giving them comfort and love Mm. because I was a breech baby Mm. I jumped my mom always says I jumped into the world (laughs) (laughs) Mm. but my dad said that you know he because back then I was born in 74 so they didn't really let the dads in to the delivery rooms then Mm. so he was waiting and all of a sudden like heard them like nurses and stuff yelling about you know there's a breech baby and you know we have a breech and whatever and then he saw my mom being wheeled into another room I suppose probably like with more machines or whatever just in case something went wrong Mm. um with (laughs) some people are going to be like oh my god this is gross but it is what it is with like blue legs hanging (laughs) oh (laughs) because you don't take your first breath until your like lungs hit hit air right yeah so that was that's the danger of breach because you can take a breath before your mouth and nose actually come out Mm. um Mm. and you know you have which not i i don't know what happened because i seem to be fine most cases (laughs) anyways uh you came out and that was the main thing exactly yeah um i came out but um but yeah, like I, I've never even like thought of that as like a traumatic birth experience from like my own standpoint. It was always just kind of like a, the funny thing that happened. I mean, sure. My mom didn't think it was very funny when it was happening, but it was like always the funny thing that happened during my birth. You know what I mean? But yeah, I never really even thought that it would be scary for me. Mm. Mm. And, and it's really interesting to say <laughs> you, you bring up a really interesting point about how people deal with, with trauma and how family units process trauma. Mm. And, and it sounds like in, in your family that they're, and this is me making a little bit of an assumption based on what you said. So correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like trauma in that situation, you know, that was like, that would have been a pretty scary thing at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way that the family was able to talk about it and, and deal with it as a unit was to make light of it. Yeah. Was that something that you found happened in the family, like as a consistent thing? Um, yeah, probably, Mm -hmm. probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was always like the positive side of it. You know what I mean? Like what's the positive side of this crappy thing that happened, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. in in my mom, it like in that birth story right there. Right. Like 
I don't even know if my mom felt fear until like the last few minutes because she didn't even realize they were talking about her. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. she even said, she's like, I didn't know like who they were even talking about. I mean, births were so different back then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they Mm -hmm. didn't, (laughs) I mean, they didn't even know I was breech. Mm. Like now they, we know weeks before and like it, it would be, you know, kept getting checked on and checked on and checked on. And they just didn't have that technology then. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if they had like ultrasounds then. I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't know, but mm-hmm. you know, like she, I don't, if she, she's never said to me, I was scared shitless or anything, but I'm sure she was when she realized it was her mm. and me, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, totally. So, and yeah, and that gets, I mean, you're still connected so that, I mean, you're always going to be connected, but you're physically still connected. So I'm sure that that fear gets transferred in some way. Definitely. And, and, and when you're, for example, in birthing, Mm. even though you don't remember consciously the experience that you had during birth, Mm -hmm. that's the first or not, not even the first, because there's a lot of science behind recognizing that babies in vitro are experiencing the hormones of mom and the environment around them and learning mm. how to, it, it actually impacts your nervous system, mm. which is getting developed at that time. And so thinking about and reflecting on what was the experiences that happened in those last couple of months of being in vitro, what was that experience of your birth and how that can affect the innate fight or flight mechanisms Mm. in people and how it can actually trigger the way that your nervous system is wired is really interesting from a physiological point of view. Mm. Mm. But then it's very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But what's also really, um, what's really interesting and and a lot of the inner child healing work that comes up for people is touching back on, um, you know, what you said about your family and making the most or making the best and making light of traumatic situations. So that is a, a family unit pattern of coping that's been passed down probably from one or either or both of your parents' parents. Mm -hmm. And then that was the environment that you grew up in. Mm. And for a lot of people, particularly at the beginning of their consciousness journey, at the beginning of healing from trauma, they're not actually able to separate what are my learned behaviors of processing trauma and my learned behaviors of seeing the world that I've mostly inherited from my parents or my caregivers at the, t- at the time, if you were raised by, you know, your grandparents or um, uh, you were adopted or something, mm-hmm. but those couple of adults in your life that taught you how to respond to emotions, how to respond to trauma, how to cope. And we learn everything basically everything from a select four or five adults in our lives in terms of our emotional processing and our physical processing. And so a lot of people end up doing inner child healing work because they recognize that there is 
a pattern or there is a way of coping that they've inherited and they've learned that they want to break and that they want to process. Mm. So whether that, you know, whether that's um, alcohol consumption or whether that's avoiding a conversation and storming out because that's what one of your parents did when you were young, yeah, whether yeah. that's, you know, and, and, you know, avoiding making, conflict altogether. That was me. Like just make everybody fucking happy for yeah. a long time. That was me. It's yeah. not, not so much anymore, but <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And, and especially for people who grew up in, in, angry households and stressed households and households that had a lot of fighting or bickering if you were highly empathic which I'm sure a lot of the listeners are Mm -hmm. you were likely that peacekeeper or energetically that peacekeeper Mm -hmm. and would avoid and run away or try to soothe people and so you have brought on that emotion and taken on those patterns of caring and dealing with conflict as a direct result of what you had to do to survive in your family unit Mm. when you were a child. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I was just talking to my mom about this the other day, actually, that both sets of my grandparents pretty much came from the age of depression right the depression mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. war ii um where there was lots and lots of scarce and um lack so scarcity and, and and lack and they're you know which i have no doubt in my mind is you know a lot of where my my money blocks had come from you know mm-hmm. um like money, my, and a lot of them were things that, that family would say as well, you know, like, Oh, it looks like a bank or money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, I had to work mm. really hard for that. Like, like if you're a kid and you break a toy or something, you know, and you're like, Oh, I just spent my hard earned money on that, you know? Mm. And like, you don't even realize as a parent that you're forming you know, belief systems in this child, because nobody's ever taught you that that's what you're doing. Mm. So it's almost like when you're an adult and you realize that, okay, I have these patterns or loops or habits or, you know, things that I always do in certain situations. How can I change that? Mm. That, you know, we, you have to unlearn a lot of things in order to now learn a new way definitely yeah and and I think when you when you look at it holistically as well part of that process is the soothing of that inner child who gets scared when you try to break those patterns yes yeah so so for example like if you you know if you if any of the listeners are in in the same position where you grew up in a household where the mindset was scarcity and there wasn't a lot of money or there wasn't perceived to be a lot of money, you might be like, I'm trying to break this, this belief system. I'm trying to break this pattern right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But realizing that in your physical body, you're getting this fight or flight response, or you're getting a lot of resistance to doing any of these money blocker, um, sorry, money unblocker 
trainings or work or you can't say the mantras or whatever it might be right and you're like what's going on here or you just can't make it yeah yeah you're having a hard time making money or keeping money or saving money or even spending money totally totally and then in recognizing okay I want to change this pattern a, a slice of that healing work that, that I do with clients that just changes everything is going in and recognizing what are the patterns of inheritance that you have taken on from mum or dad. So I'll ask people the direct question, who taught you that? Mm-hmm. And, and I get people to answer me specifically by going in and recognizing who in their life taught them that, gave them that energy, um, passed on that belief system and then recognizing what in a child is holding onto that energy. And it might be a couple, especially something like a money blocker, right? Like a specific trauma that happens at a certain age is a bit more clear cut of like what in a child needs healing, but it might be going in and soothing across a variety of different ages, those parts of you that are anxious about money Mm-hmm. And so much of inner child healing is about soothing and recognizing where that inner child energy sits in you. So it doesn't always sit in one space. Like sometimes people have, like I've got clients who've got like a, a, ch- a little young, young, young child, like a baby in their root chakra, but then other people carry that inner child that's a baby in their heart chakra mm-hmm. and recognizing when that energy is getting triggered or when that energy is needing some soothing. And once you've done a visualization and you've done some healing and some connecting, what you can then do is in the moment, soothe that inner child so that you don't take on that energy and you don't then, you know, act in, in ways that you would have as that kid. Yes. So, you know, talking about like habits and things like that, one of my, one of my biggest issues was not asking for help or not talking about my problems with anybody Mm. else Mm. and looking back at it. Like I do now. And I, but I still have like, especially with my like fiance, I, I am much more open now with like, this is how I feel this is what's going on, blah, 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 like much more open about things now. But Mm. realizing that growing up, like what happened in your house stayed in your house. Like Mm -hmm. you didn't talk about like if my, I, which this is not, you know, the case, but if there was like a mental health issue in the, in, in someone's household, like back then, people didn't really talk about it. Like, so my grandfather on my dad's side was an alcoholic. Everybody knew it, but nobody talked about it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or, um, and he wasn't mean. He would just, you know, drink a lot, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, nobody talked about it. Or like my grandmother on my mom's side was just always very quiet about things like she didn't really say much about anything unless she was like we were you know 
Like, this is how you, here's the recipe for cookies. Here's the recipe for macaroni and cheese. (laughs) I think the most things that I like really heard her say to me were like, I used to read those magazines that were like the Inquirer and like Star Magazine was like, it was all the gossip magazines. And she would always say to me, um, don't, don't, um, ever believe anything you you read in those things you know (laughs) yeah good lesson hey (laughs) yeah but yeah now like just thinking back about it it was like yeah like nobody ever really talked about problems so which wouldn't surprise me that you know when a problem came up in my life or I was you know presented with conflict that I'd be like nope but I don't want to deal with that Mm. you know, or nope, I'm not telling anybody that I, you know, am struggling right now. Or, Mm. um, even if I was like extremely happy about something, like I, it's just like, it's almost like ingrained that it's like, it's nobody else's business. Mm. Mm Hmm. And when you um, were starting to break down some of those patterns of sharing, like with your fiance or with your friends and stuff, what was the feeling that would come up that would stop you? Mm, Like fear of like um, judgment Mm. um, or like that it wasn't, what I had to say wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be taken seriously, I guess. Mm-hmm. If I had to, you know, quickly off the top of my head, think of things like fear, like it would be like literal. And I think some of this also came from my adult thing too. Like I was married before and a lot of that I didn't... <laughs> I didn't feel like any of that in my marriage either. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, but yeah, I think a lot of it was like, well, is he even going to care? Yeah. What, like, like that I, that I feel like this, like, why, why would he care about how I feel? Mm. Mm. And, and I guess the question then is, that voice that says is he even gonna care why would he care and and you know what you said about um feeling like like nobody would want to know where where did that come from Mm. and if it came from childhood who is that in a child what age are they why are they feeling like they aren't heard or that their opinion doesn't matter Mm. right yeah I would have to say that's probably that would probably be my like teenage years like junior Mm. high to Mm. like high school junior high and high school yeah yeah so it's that inner teen Um, I love that you've mentioned that actually because within a teenagers you can use a similar process Mm. of reparenting and and I think a lot of people forget about the the energy of being an inner teen of of being a teenager and how hard it is Mm. and how scary it is and how um, unsure you are of yourself and into your early twenties as well. 
Um, and how even though as a teenager, we're like, I don't need mom, I don't need dad. Actually, deep down, we still want that love and comfort and support. Right. But we go through that age in our lives where it's like, no, I, I'm going to push everyone who, you know, for some people, not everyone, but a lot of teenagers go through that stage of like, no, you're showing me affection. Get away from me. Get away from me. Yeah. And often that's an accumulation of a whole lot of anxiety and trauma and pain and isolation and maybe bullying and all sorts of stuff going on, as well as obviously hormones. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throw that yeah. into the mix. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like an explosion of everything. Um, but what's really interesting is that when you've got an inner teenager that needs some reparenting or you want to do healing work on, there's actually another technique that you can include in that. And I don't ever recommend people doing this with inner children unless they're like in the middle of a session and it feels safe and it's like a very gentle reframe. But if you're doing this at home and you want to explore your inner teenager, you can adopt the process of reframing. So reframing is where you go in, you sit down with them in that same safe space and you have a chat with them and you understand why they are hurting and, oh, mom and dad suck and I can never do anything and ma, 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 ma. And you can take the energy and the experience and wisdom of hindsight and gently impart that in your visualization Mm. on that inner teenager mm. so like you're literally having a a small therapy session or a small um you know one-on-one -on -one chat with a teenager who's being all stroppy being like mom and dad suck and like life sucks and oh like I can't do this and I can't do that and blah 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 and you can go in and go well, hey but also like I would be saying to myself I'd be like well hey Rafe like that's that really sucks but also you know you don't know this yet but in another year's time this thing's going to happen and you're going to actually be really happy that you're experiencing this level of you know um that your parents are being really strict on you or you mm. know you're gonna you're gonna get be really happy that your parents were were um, really pushing you to do well academically because all of these other great things happened and 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 you can reframe it in a very gentle way mm. to help soothe that inner teenager who's often my experience with clients is that those inner teenagers are often frustrated isolated angry those kind of um slightly more fiery energies yeah. See my, my teenage years were, I had so much freedom. Like my parents loved me. Like I know there was no like doubt about that, but mm -hmm. I had a lot of freedom mm -hmm. and you know, it was sometimes like, you, you know, especially in a teenager, what came up for me when you were saying that was like you're in that in-between of coming from childhood to adulthood really is, is what mm. that is. Right. So mm. it's like, well, I still want to cuddle up with my mom, but I don't want to cuddle up with my mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, maybe it's like, you know, feeling like even that, like I had an amazing family and amazing childhood. I was very loved all of those things, but having that much freedom, maybe it was like, uh, um, like not being, not feeling like I could talk to them because I had so much freedom. You know what I mean? Like they trusted me so much. Like, why do I need to tell them anything? Mm, mm. Like or the total even, opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even a fear at, at, at that age that if you told them something and you came to them vulnerable, that they might take away some of that freedom because mm. they go, oh, you're not safe. You can't handle this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. My mom, I always tell her, I'm like, you have no idea what I got away with. <laughs> <laughs> or the stupid situations I put myself in and God, she's like, I don't want to know, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. At this point, she's like, I don't even want to know. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely I can think of many times that I'm like, I don't even know how I came out of that without something traumatic happening Mm. you know like other people have put themselves in situations like that and awful things have happened Mm. and you know I get some good spirit guides apparently (laughs) yeah it sounds like it (laughs) um yeah that you know I was like what the heck like how did and I'll talk to like my friends that Cause I still talk to, you know, friends that I was friends with then, or that I was in those situations with, you know, they were there and we're like, we're always like, I, I don't even know how we like got out of that one. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we all have stories like yeah. that, but, but yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Uh, for all of us, irregardless from the age of, you know, birth to like seven or eight or so, we are building our belief systems. We are building our core values. We are creating how we are going to be in the world as we get older. Like um, the, the silliest example that I give people is like, if you were brought up in a household that believed that the sky was red, you would believe the sky was red. There Mm -hmm. is no changing your mind. It is truth in your head. The color of the sky would be red Mm. because that's what you were taught. Mm. Right. And then somebody comes along and is like, what are you, what's the matter with you? The sky's blue. That's blue. That's the color blue. And you'd be like, no, no, no. The sky's red. And then when you more and more people, you hear from more and more people that, no, the sky's blue. Then you're like, wait a minute. And the way I, (laughs) the way I explain our subconscious is like, um, it's built with like bricks and mortar. So the more like every belief you're like building a brick in your, in this brick wall type of a thing that it's like a solid belief 
And this is how we react to certain things. This is how we um, show up in certain ways. This is how we, um, you know, treat people. This is how we, you know, all of these things. And they're brick upon brick upon brick. And then when someone comes along and challenges that, like, here's the do part from the woo part, right? So Mm -hmm. our, we take in information and it comes through our conscious mind. We know it's there. It's like, okay, this is, this is the information I'm being given right now. And then it gets bounced off of that brick wall in your subconscious says, how, how are we dealing with this? Like, how do we really want to deal with this? And it goes like to the brick that says, this is how we deal with it. And if it doesn't match that brick's belief, then we, it gets bounced back and it's like, nope, not true. You know? So we do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're consciously aware of this brick wall and you're open enough to be like, okay, some of those bricks probably aren't serving me anymore. Um, the bricks start to like kind of crack, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, well, what if, what if I did it this way? Or what if the sky is really blue or what, whatever it is, right? Mm. Then the, the brick wall kind of starts to break apart a little bit and you can have disintegrating bricks that get built with new bricks and like you can rebuild an entirely different belief system or you know, I don't, core values, I think, are mostly ingrained in you regardless. I mean, you can ha- expand on core values, but I think your, you know, general core values are always going to be pretty much the same, um, maybe just grown upon. But your belief system, on the other hand, can be completely changed and rewired and Mm. new paths and it's the in-between of like the little guys in your head putting up the detour signs like nope we're working on this road you got to go that way for right now (laughs) Mm. you know it's that in-between where you're like my brain hurts like things are melting out of my ears what's happening right now (laughs) um yeah Yeah. it's like that's the unlearning process Like I remember the first time that happened to me, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about like marketing and how, how a lot of like the, um, slogans and stuff for marketing have like come about. And I'm like, what are you serious right now? Like, it's like brainwashing. Right. I'm like, that is not true. I'm like, that can't be true. Like who would do that? Right. <laughs> oh, you lost a little bit of innocence that day. I did, and it was not, it was like five years ago. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. But but yes, yes. Like I think that, you know, I ex I, you know, I know that there everyone in the world does not have the best intentions. I get it, right? But when you think about it in certain ways, or somebody says it in a certain way, you're like, Oh my God. Like, and this is how we are building certain belief systems. It's not just our parents. It's not just our grandparents. It's every single experience 
that we have, every situation we're in, everything we see, read, hear, touch, feel, taste, everything. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, totally. and we're yeah. taking it on, we're taking it on into those inner children. Mm-hmm. And then we we carry that energy with us through our lives. Yeah. And and I loved what you said about rewiring those belief systems because the the other piece to that because absolutely you can rewire your belief systems and the other piece that comes along with the belief system is you can absolutely rewire and change how you react to things yes and how you're triggered by or not triggered by situations Mm -hmm. and that's where that healing comes in right and that's where the woo meets the do of having actionable steps that you take to do that healing work from an energetic point of view but also from a cognitive point of view Mm -hmm. and rewiring your brain as well as releasing any energy that needs to be released that isn't serving you because it's you at five scared and feeling alone because you got shut in your room and you now have this belief that you are inherently bad and mm. then, you know, as an adult, somebody calls you out and that inner child pipes up in you and goes, oh my God, I'm naughty. I'm going to get sent to my room. I'm going to get isolated. I'm going to be shut away from the world. Mm. And then you react and get triggered and, and you respond using some of that energy rather than being able to soothe that energy and go, actually, it's okay. I'm an adult now. I'm, a, I'm not going to get shut away in my room. That doesn't happen anymore. I haven't broken the law, so I'm not going to prison. Mm. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is X, Y, Z and being able to like process that. And that changes that belief system. And it also rewires that triggering and how you respond to the world. And I think that's the combination is so powerful. Yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, and you, you know, it's almost like if you really want to do the work, like you have to do both. You have to do like the woo and the do part of it. Mm, Totally. Totally. That holistic healing. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just like thinking about I know that for me, one of the biggest parts of me feeling like I lost myself or like I am never going to let anybody like take my power away again. I'm never going to let anybody not let me speak again. I'm not ever going to let somebody not listen to me again and take me seriously. A lot of that was definitely more as an adult Mm. and not as a child. Um, and I have, you know, done a lot of work on that, but it, there are still things that come up and we'll, I'll get that trigger. And then like, and most, it's mostly my fiance because most of it came from my previous marriage. <laughs> like he'll say something and my head will whip around. Like you didn't just say that. <laughs> and it's the fight mode. I don't get much of the, the flight mode anymore. Um, which was flight was in the, in my marriage. Most of the time it was like, yep, just keep your mouth shut, your head down, do your thing. 
and you know doesn't matter what you uh, to me it felt like it didn't matter what I said it didn't it didn't matter like Mm -hmm. I didn't matter so Mm -hmm. um so yeah now it's obviously it's different and so seeing that um the difference in things that I loved to do before I was married that I didn't really do a lot of while I was married and now are coming back like um um crafts or like different like activities or just ways that I think cooking like cooking to me when I was married was a chore Mm. it was like and I loved to cook before that like I love to experiment I love to do all I love to be in the kitchen and making stuff Mm. and I didn't do it for so long and then I was I was working with a coach and she was like why do you think you don't like to cook and that and then I realized it like never like it was like so embedded and like in there that I didn't even realize that's why Mm. I didn't enjoy cooking because I felt like I had to cook for so many years. Mm. Mm. So that was, that was a big breakthrough for me. I've, I've told that story a couple times, but that was a big breakthrough for me. And it was, I don't know. I'm sure there's probably plenty of stuff from my childhood that I could go back and soothe, but (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of anything really like that traumatic or you know I and I'm sure it doesn't have to be traumatic right it, it could be just something that you're like oh yeah that person did say that a lot so that's why I probably do this mm. yeah and and I mean you bring up an interesting point right because not everyone has had intense or traumatic childhoods and people who who have had you know like pretty intense experiences or you know some really bad stuff happen the inner children healing process is really really critical for your awakening journey and being able to heal but also regardless of whether you've had you know however happy or traumatic or intense your childhood is being able to connect with your inner children in order to access things like joy and creativity and that curiosity. I find a lot of people who do the healing work um, and then get to the other side of that and have formed a good relationship with their inner children, have a bigger capacity and, and a more connected capacity to like their creativity, to their fun, to their playfulness. Mm. And, and that can also be a really beautiful, a beautiful part of the journey. And equally as well, when, if you were a child who was very intuitively connected, so you had, you know, your guides around you, you might've had like grandma or great grandma come to visit you you might have seen auras and fairies and various things a lot of people I work with were highly uh, intuitive as children and at some point shut that off because they realized that it wasn't safe to or they felt that it wasn't safe to 
be doing that or somebody told them that it wasn't safe or that they shouldn't be thinking that way. And that if you connect back into your inner children, that can also help to reconnect to those intuitive abilities and bring forth the ability to um, connect with your guides, to, you know, see energy and auras and and all of those beautiful intuitive gifts. Mm. Yeah, I had a, um, a situation when I was young, probably four or five that scared the mother out of me <clears throat> with spirit. I believe it was spirit now. Then I just was like, I'm going crazy. Like there are like Puff the Magic Dragon is in my room right now and won't let me out the door. Like seriously, that's what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like trying to scream and couldn't scream. And I was at my grandparents' house and they were just like right on the other side of the wall from me. And I couldn't, like, I was afraid to go, like, reach my hand out to the door because there was a dragon in front of my door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even though he seemed to be a friendly dragon, he was scaring the mother out of me because he was there and I could see him. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Right. Mm. Um, And it's funny because when we have those experiences, if we have more than one, sometimes when we're that young, we bunch them together and feel like it all happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had another one too. Do you know the fairy tale, like Tweedledee and Tweedledum? Yeah. 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 So I remember waking up in, at, I think it was at night, one night and seeing Tweedledee and Tweedledum at the end of my bed Mm. and like frozen in fear. Yeah. Yeah. Like they didn't say anything. They didn't like nothing. I was just, what the freak are these two Tweedledee and Tweedledum doing at the end of my bed, like frozen in fear. Yeah. Um, And that was, I think it could, may not have been my first, but it was definitely my last experience (laughs) with seeing anything like that um even to this day like I'm more open like with hearing like thought like not actual audio but like thoughts or pictures or um feeling Mm. than uh, like actual sight that's Mm. still blocked and I've been told you have every, uh, like, uh, I've been told I've had, I have all the Claire's, mm, but mm-hmm. I just don't you, I'm not using them because I have either shut them off or haven't been taught how to exactly, or really tried to. Mm, mm. Mm. I love that you shared this story because to me, I immediately go, absolutely, you're blocking that off. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because that inner child in you was so petrified and terrified. Mm-hmm. And that if you did some inner child healing and soothing of that inner child, and then you did some work around opening up your gifts, that things would come forth and that you'd experience those gifts awakening again. 
in a more intense, intense process. And it's a natural progression that a lot of people I work with go through of like, it's funny, they come in and they, they come in through and start working with me in a, in a healing sense or coping mechanisms. And then they find out that I do a lot of intuitive development. And then they're mm. like, oh, but initially they're like, no, I don't want to yeah. see, I don't want to <laughs> connect because it can be really terrifying. Right. And there's not just blockers or fears from childhood, but like for, from my own journey, when I first started to experience all the crazy intuitive connections that I was having I was so fearful of the medical system and I was so fearful of what people would say in my job and Mm. what um, my friends would think and my family and it took me years literally years to start sharing beyond my counseling session where you know he had to sign a piece of paper that said he wasn't going to share anything with anybody (laughs) yeah right Yeah. Like between that and my partner were the only two people for the first like three years of seeing spirits again and seeing auras and having visions and all sorts of stuff. They were the only people that I told because there was so much fear around how society would take that. And also how the medical system would treat me if I, you know, told them, you know, told a different therapist about it or told my doctor or whatever. Mm. And so there was a lot of, there's a huge amount of fear for a lot of people. And, and also sometimes past life fear as well. Like if you were, a intuitive or you were a medicine person in the past or you were a midwife or you know you you were just a, you know an educated intuitive human in the past you might have been banished or even killed for doing the work mm. and so there's a lot of fears that people break down in order to connect back to that innate intuitive ability mm. Yeah, I was actually just recently told that I was a very loved shaman in another life. Mm. And I'm not surprised. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, that's good. Well, at least I was a very loved shaman, but I have a feeling (laughs) that there were probably a couple of incarnations that I wasn't very loved. Like, uh, yeah, not that I wasn't loved, but my gifts were misunderstood. Totally, totally. And and if we look back in in human society, generally, there's been times and there's certain cultures that were very accepting and integrating of intuitive gifts. And there were other cultures and other societies and times where it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And in and in modern Western society, it's only really just started to become not even acceptable necessarily, but at least safe to do it. Like even, you know, 50, 60 years ago, if you wandered around being like, I see spirits and blah, 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 there was a chance that you'd end up, you know, committed in a psych ward. Right. Right. And like like never to be seen again. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and some of the people I work with have been in hospitalized and have been medicated for telling, you know, medical professionals, this is the experiences I'm having, but being also being really ungrounded in that. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's, it's unlocking and unblocking all of those fears, whether it's past life, whether it's present childhood fear, whether it's adult fear of society and of your social circles, there's so much fear that people have around intuition and, and connecting in. But when you can start to break down that stuff, then it all melts away and the gifts just, 
you don't even have to like bring the gifts forward really it's Mm -hmm. they they just come forward naturally the biggest process is actually getting out of your own way (laughs) right yeah yeah it is too because you know nobody else can do this Mm. but you exactly exactly and I so I do, I run a group program that's all about this intuitive development and it's amazing to see how people expand. And, and a big part of the reason I run it as a group is because so much of the benefit you get from expanding your intuition is the ability to be able to share it. Yes. Right. And along with other people that are in the same, you know, on the same path that you are, or in the same, like going through the same thing. Totally, totally. And, and part of the blockers that people have when they first start to, they've, they've un, you know, they might clear their past life because we do past life regression in it to like clear that any of that energy. Mm-hmm. And then you might do some inner child healing and you're feeling really good. And then you start to have these messages start flowing. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I don't want to share this because somebody might not believe me mm-hmm. or might not trust me. And so a big part of doing it in a group setting and having those people that you can connect to is that, like I say in the coaching, I'm like, there's nothing you can say in here that is going to shock me. Like yeah. <laughs> you can literally like be like, yeah, I had like this giant dragon come visit me in the night and, <laughs> and, you're and like, I'll be like, up. <laughs> I'll be like, cool. Was that a guide? Was that a spirit? Was it what, like, tell me about it. How, did you talk to them? Why didn't you talk to them? Have a conversation, you know, like it's, and it's a whole nother way of seeing intuition and being curious about it. But a lot of the process of getting to that point and being able to unlock those abilities is letting go of that fear and letting go of the societal expectations and trusting your intuition by sharing it and having people confirm back to you. I was experiencing that, or I was seeing that, or that resonates for me. Yeah. So another thing that I'd like to touch on too is, you know, we've talked different ways on this podcast about intuition, right? Mm. So I feel like there's a miscommunication about being intuitive and following your intuition. Mm -hmm. So I feel like being intuitive can mean a couple of things, right? Like you are intuitive, meaning like it's a knowing, like you just, you go left instead of right. Like it's like your inner GPS, like your inner compass, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's being intuitive in the way of, um, you know, opening up intuitive gifts to, you know, reach other realms really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd love to hear your kind of take on, because I feel like the word intuitive has two different sides to it. Like it could be an inner intuition where like, it's like you follow an inner compass. Like if I, when I'm, just start working with someone or like I'm doing a, um, a live or a masterclass or whatever. And I'm like, okay, if you want to get in touch with your intuition period, then I always have them do like an exercise, which is like an intuitive day. 
just you just get in your car like you set an intention Mm. like it can be a rent like make it the most random intention possible Mm. (laughs) like i want to see a purple ball today Mm. and you get in your car and you just drive you don't think about where you're going you just go where you feel like you need to be led Mm. and you know 99.9 percent of the time a purple ball is going to show up. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because to, so, so, I mean, gosh, I feel like this could be a whole, a whole podcast in itself. So uh, I'll yeah, try to be yeah, quick yeah. about it <laughs> yeah. because I think in, in, you're right. Intuitive or intuitive abilities hmm. have a lot of meanings and it's kind of just this word that we kind of throw out and around like the word empath. Mm-hmm. But when I think, and when I talk and, and support people in developing their intuition, I think about it in three ways. So you've got your innate intuition, which is that kind of, you know, that gut feeling that people often talk about or that, you know, what, what, um, that, that going left instead of right. Mm -hmm. And so that is often a combination of you listening and connecting to your chakra wisdom, Mm -hmm. including your crown chakra. So your ability to channel in and your, your connection to your higher self. And so when we connect to our bodies and we trust our bodies and we, and we heal our bodies and, and our chakra energy, and then we also open that channel for our higher selves and which is that intuitive knowing, mm-hmm. then we can be intuitive in that central sense and that's that alignment to where we're going on our path. We can be connected to our soul contracts. We can start to manifest in really strongly um, and all and set intentions and all of that sort of stuff. So to me, that's kind of the, that's the part that I think about when I think about that exercise you do with your clients of mm. setting that intention. Cause you're kind of manifesting in that experience and you're also allowing your intuition to lead you to where you're going internally. Yes. Yeah. And then the other part of it is your intuitive abilities and that connectedness externally, which when I coach people on that development, that's things like connecting with your guides Um, connecting with the land energy, um, connecting and seeing spirits, um, mother nature, um, water sprites, earth sprites, that kind of energy that's external to you that you can have access to tapping into. Kind of, if you think about like the unseen world, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people can be connected to one or other. They're not, they're, they are mutually exclusive for some people. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be connected to one in order to be connected to, to another. Um, what the hope is, is that you can develop that internal intuition to a level. And that's what I always train people in first. So that then when you go externally, you can really navigate that and trust that inner wisdom when you're navigating with the external intuitive Mm -hmm. 
connection. Yeah. And you really don't feel like you're crazy then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Because I think that, it, I mean, you know, I would think that well, even in that experience when I was young, like, I think I probably thought in that moment, I'm, a, I'm crazy there. I'm seeing things. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, because I didn't understand it because I was so young. Like, I don't remember anything ever happening before that. So for that to be my first recollection of an experience scared the bejesus out of me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, and I actually had somebody say to me, she was a um, guest on my podcast before too, Katie Halliwell. She was doing on clubhouse one day, she was doing like spiritual business readings. And I just popped into her, her, um, her room and there weren't that many people in there, which was kind of surprising to me, but I don't know, maybe I came in late or something, but you know, I was there and I was like, yeah, heck yes. Give me a spiritual business reading. And she said to me, you know, she said some things and then like, she was saying like, you know, goodbye. I like, thank you. And bye-bye and all this stuff. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. She said, um, they're telling me that there was something that happened with you with spirit when you were young and that you obviously weren't ready then, (laughs) (laughs) but you are now. So you need to, you know, like she didn't say stop being afraid, but that's like in other words, she was like, so you don't have to be afraid anymore because you have, you do have the ability, but you've shut it off. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So That's exciting. It, it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I've been told all the Claire's and I can, I see them developing more and more in different ways. Um, especially since I've pivoted from spiritual business coaching into just like spiritual life coaching and like the moon and really tapping into intuition, my own inner intuition period. I Mm. feel like just that and, and being on the spiritual journey that I'm on just opens up all kinds of things anyways, you know? Yeah. So I can see different things happening. Whereas before I even like, if you had told me like five years ago, six or seven years ago, that this is what I would be talking about right now, I would have told you you were out of your tree. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, no, there's no way. Like, yes, I've always liked believed that there is, you know, there is something after we die, there is spirit, there is, there are, you know, quote unquote ghosts or, you know, whatever somebody wanted to call them. I've always been drawn to, to that other side of the veil Mm. always. Mm. Um, but never really talked about it. (laughs) We're going to go back to that loop and habit right there. Um, (laughs) never really talked about it. And, um, actually just talked to my aunt the other day and she was like, we're all really intuitive and we get it from, you know, my, my grandfather's side of the family. And I'm like, really, we get it from that side of the family. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I never would have thought it came from them. But why not? Um, because my grandmother was the, I don't know, she was like, to me, she was like the wise one, right? She was like, she had this great sense of humor, but she was always had something of value to say to you. Do you know what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and at, before when I was talking about my grandfather being an alcoholic, that was the grandfather that was an alcoholic. Mm. Um, so he never talked about anything like that ever. And maybe it's because he was afraid of it. Absolutely. That would be my, I would, I would bet money that part of the reason that he was and I say this because I've worked with so many people who this Mm -hmm. is their story either for themselves and a lot of men or their family members where the coping mechanisms were used because they needed to die down those abilities because Mm -hmm. it wasn't safe to share Mm -hmm. and and you know, your, for your grandfather growing up in the time that he did, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it was very different. And mm-hmm. to, to a situation where he could have just been like, yeah, I'm a, I'm an intuitive being and I've got this premonition and I'm going to share that with you and blah, 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 blah. You know, like there was some people who did it, but like yeah. for a huge, huge proportion of people who've had gifts, for their whole lives they've been uh stumped by the fear and had to use yeah coping mechanisms to to deal with those experiences or those premonitions or that knowing and especially if you don't know how to shut off your gifts because that's a really important part of allowing those gifts to come through is actually learning how to shut them down when you choose and and that's my big thing is like helping people to empower themselves through mm. that process so that you can go, okay, tonight, I don't want to astral travel. I don't want any visitors. I just want to body sleep. Um, right now, I just want to be grounded in myself. I don't want to have a whole lot of messages channeling through and how important that is actually for you to experience the human experience mm. and to look after yourself in a physical sense. It's so, so critical, but yeah. it's a big part of, of the, the process of intuitive development that I teach. Yeah. And that would, that, (laughs) that was like one of my biggest fears too. I'm like, if I start seeing spirit, I don't want to always see them. (laughs) (laughs) Or if I can like chant, like not channel, but like, if I would be like some type of a, like a medium where I could get messages from, from spirit for somebody else, like, I don't want to be getting messages through the grocery store. Yeah. You know totally. what I mean? Or like at a concert. Can you even imagine? Oh, I've had it. <laughs> that was that was my life. The first few years <laughs> of these experiences, that was literally my life. So the the morning after the drugging experience I had when mm. all my gifts kind of opened up, I literally went down to the the supermarket little mini mart around the corner in Scotland, not knowing where I was going. I just like had been told by the um, friend that I was staying with. It's just around the corner down there. And I went to go get some breakfast stuff. Cause I felt like shit because 
and had some yeah. alcohol and then being drugged, you know, like you feel, you feel terrible. And so I went down and I was looking around the grocery store and I came around the corner and there was literally like from like one of those horror movies, like the sixth sense or something, oh this like spirit standing there in the middle of the grocery store, like oh grudge kind of stuff, like staring oh at me. And I was like, dream. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh my God. Oh shit. But I was like, no, it's the drugs. It's the drugs. It's the drugs. And yeah. I just literally, <laughs> I literally left the store without getting any bread or anything. I think I bought like a chocolate bar and whatever I had in my hands and just walked out mm-hmm. and was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy. And I had like several of these kind of experiences over the coming months that were absolutely terrifying, but I couldn't stop them. And what I, what I had to learn, unfortunately, the opposite way to what like my clients, for example, will learn is I had to go from having these really intense experiences and learning how to navigate that and also getting myself into a space where I didn't perceive them as so scary mm-hmm. and and to to go really into the woo for a moment here like when you see spirits like that often they're presenting themselves to you how they died because they're trying to get your attention mm-hmm. because they've been stuck for a really long time like that spirit might have been in that grocery store for like 50 years and yeah. they've only had 10 or 12 people come in in that time who they know and can sense from a faraway distance that you can see them because for me, my everything had gone buff and opened up. And so I had this bright shining light, basically like I call it like a taxi light. So mm. my taxi light was on being like, I'm open for business. Jump in. <laughs> I can help <rock> you. <laughs> and, and I, but I had no idea. And so when I learned to process that ex- those experiences and I learned how to actually help spirits and, and do spirit ushering. I learned that and I had the experience that spirits come to you how they died to get your attention or because they don't know how other way how another way to present themselves. And also when you're in a lower vibrational state as well, you attract in darker energies and all of those sort of things. There's lots of different elements to it, right? Yeah. But as you learn to navigate that and you set boundaries and you go into it from an empowered place, then the spirits that you are seeing and interacting with aren't always scary looking. And if they are, you can be like, bro, seriously. And then they'll just be like, Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I didn't need to show you that my head is decapitated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, dude, I can, like, I, I can see you there. I can see your spirit. I'm here. Like, I'm, I'm here to listen. Like, what do you want help with? You mm. don't need to show me the inside of your head, you know, like, I yeah, don't right. need you to come. <laughs> yeah. Or, you or brains boundaries. back in, please. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or set boundaries around when they come to visit you as well. So like, no, you're not allowed to come during the nighttime in the same way that you wouldn't just let some random person rock up to your house in the middle of the yeah. night yeah. and be like, Hey, can you help me? It's the same with spirits. And, and sometimes people, sometimes I get a bit frustrated with pe- like teachers of this stuff. And, and some people who are very highly intuitive and are 
helping spirits because there's a lack of boundaries around it. And I'm like, if this was a human in a physical body still, would you let them show up in your house at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, pulling on the covers of your bed, being mm. like, I want your attention right now. Yeah? yeah. Like, what would you do? Right. You'd, you'd probably call the police. <laughs> right. You'd be like, get the hell out of my house. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But when we think about spirits, it's like all of a sudden our boundaries go out the window and we're like, oh no, but of course, if they're coming in the middle of the night, of course I should help them. Or of, of course they're allowed to stay or, you know, like, oh, like, like, oh, yeah, they, they're here now. And so a big part of the training I do is around setting that those boundaries with spirits and having protocols of like, if I'm going to be doing this work and I'm going to be helping spirits, if you choose to, because a lot of people don't do this work, but mm-hmm. um, some people do. And if, particularly in my group course, there's always one or two who decide to go into doing some spirit ushering work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, these are my open hours. These are the protocols that I set in, in place. And these are the times you're allowed to come see me. And if you're aggressive or if you're not complying, then I'll just send you away. Mm. And I'll, but I will help you if you are wanting help. And when you set those boundaries in place and you set those protocols, then you can have incredible experiences. Like, yeah absolutely phenomenal I've had some wonderful wonderful you know beautiful conversations and hangouts with spirits I've had some really wise words of wisdom imparted on me from spirits Mm. I've you know had fun and laughter and I've been able to help some spirits pass over and some of them don't want to pass over they just want to like hang out with you for a little bit because they're bored or they're just like I like, I, I really want to listen to this song one more time or like, Hey, like, I really like want to just hang out. Can I hang out? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. It reminds me of like, when you were talking about that, it reminds me of, do you know who T- Teresa Caputo is the long Island medium? Uh, I've definitely heard of her. Yeah. Well, <laughs> her I'm like obsessed. Right. So I like watched like every single one of her episodes um, I just think it's fascinating, mm. which is again, being very attracted to that type of thing. Um, and you know, the way she, I mean, she's been, she knew she was intuitive like this for since she was very young and the way she like starts a session with somebody is like, she explains to them okay, as I give you my speech, I'm raising my vibration and I'm telling them that it's time to work and that they can start coming through now, you know? So she, she has her, I mean, I'm sure everybody has their own way of, you know, setting those boundaries. Like this is what I do to reach the other side or, or for the, and, or for them to reach me, you know? Mm. Um, and, you know, to turn it on and turn it, I mean, it's not like a, I, I don't know if it's like a light switch or not, <laughs> like a, like a little light switch. Like, okay. Like you said, the taxi cab open, closed, like on for business, off yeah. for business. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a light. 
absolutely. It can be a light that you can switch on and off if you learn how to do that. And the issue that people come across is when they can't switch their light on and off. That's when you get ungrounded. That's when you mm. get into that lower vibrational state. That's when things get overwhelming because you're not being consented in. You're not in, in control of it. You're not putting consent into the process. Yeah. Mm. And I would think that they would probably come like in, in the way that they've passed also so that you kind of recognize that they are spirit because they mm. came like, just like anybody else, just like anybody else, you would be like, Oh, Hey, you know, and like walk right past them. Like you wouldn't even realize, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially, I mean, you definitely can tell the difference between spirits and humans unless you get to a really ungrounded state and then it's, mm. it can be really difficult to tell, but you can usually tell because often when you get spirits start to come into your realm, you might see them out of the corner of your eye or in your mind's eye or in mm. dream state and stuff. But yeah. absolutely from their point of view, they're, you're their one shot, right? Like mm. you, you are their one shot potentially for the first time in years and maybe for another several years to come where they can see you from a mile away, bright and open. And this is when you're, you know, super open and you're not grounded and all of that. Like mm. I was, they can see you from a mile away and they're like, oh my God, she's here. Like, oh, I, I want to get a message to somebody or I want help with this or I'm ready to pass over. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And they come running up to you and all in a panic. And so if you think about it from that spirit's point of view yeah like then if they present themselves in all of the ways that make you notice them the most and identify them the most mm. that's in their mind the best way of doing it yeah and, and I could not count for you the amount of times that I've had a spirit show up all like freaky looking like it's Halloween and I've been like what are you doing and they're yeah. literally been like <laughs> Oh, 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 sorry. Like, sorry. I can see you and I know what you are. Can we look normal now? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Do you have to creep up from behind a table? Like, like yeah. popping your eyes over and going like, blah? Like, do you have to do yeah. that? And like, <laughs> but it's all about that reframing and that, that perspective, right? Because if you don't know what's going on and you don't recognize how to be in the in the powerful situation in that and in, in an interaction with a spirit, it can be absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny yeah. that you brought up dream state because I just had a dream a couple of nights ago. Um, of, so my dad has had passed away. Um, it's going on like 28 years now. And the very first time I ever had a dream of him, it scared me awake. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was probably about 20 years ago. And I haven't seen him in a dream since. But a couple of nights ago, I had a dream of him and my grandmother, my both my great grandparents and my uncle. All in the same dream. Mm -hmm. You had a family gathering. It was a family reunion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wish the dream lasted longer because I remember looking up at him and being like, Oh my God, you know, and like hugging him and being so excited to see him. And he said, I need to, we need to talk. 
Mm. And then my dream ended and I'm like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so that I, all right. But it's funny because you're the second person that I've, um, you know, has been recorded today for the podcast and, um, the other woman does a lot of work in the Akashic records, but is also very intuitive. She has a lot of intuitive gifts Mm. and, um, gave me uh, some clarity uh, around, around that, like not specifically, well, this is what he wanted to tell you, but it was, you know, just how, how we were talking and what we were talking about. And then, you know, she, as I was talking, she's going, I'm getting big yeses, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. um, and things like that. So, but it, I was excited enough just for the fact that I, he came in, a, in my dream and I wasn't scared. Mm. Awesome. I mean, that's obviously a shift that's happening and that's a progress that step that you're taking towards trusting that intuition and, and breaking down those walls. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I'm awesome. sure, you know, it's like, I feel like it's a slow progress, like they're easing me into it. Like, that's what I feel like, like it has to, like, I don't remember. So this is weird. I was just going to say, I don't remember who was driving the Jeep, but you would have been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they drove up in a jeep in my dream Mm. like a big like wrangler jeep like Mm -hmm. without a top and stuff like that and i don't remember who was driving there was somebody driving somebody was in the passenger seat but all like five of them like were in the back seat like don't even ask me how that happened but Mm. um but yeah it was just weird that you know I don't remember who was driving or, or in the passenger seat, but it must've been, it wasn't, I didn't need to know mm. mm-hmm. who that was. It could have been my, my spirit guides driving them being like, Hey, she needs, she needs some help here. Can you, yeah. she's not yeah. listening to us. So can you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to know yet. But that information may become available over time as you, as you progress more and you uncover more. Yeah. Cause the, 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 the intuitive process and the spiritual path is not linear. It's always like twists and turns and things that pop up and you don't understand happening at one time, then come up again later. And you're like, Oh my God, that's why that happened. And that's what that means and stuff. Right. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's definitely happened before. Um, like things, I notice now that things are like, when things are put in my path, I really like pay attention mm. now. Whereas before I would just like, kind of like it, it like would come through my consciousness and, and then it would like bounce off the brick that we were talking about before and be like, yeah, no, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but now if something is put in my path, I'm like, Hmm. And, and especially if it's like, a dual thing, like this is said. And then, um, so as, as, as an example, I have a friend that owns a a store and she was talking about all this stuff. Like, she's like, Oh, I know all this stuff. And I'm like, you're making me want to open a store. And she said, well, 
three doors down, the guy's leaving and that space is going to be open. (laughs) And I was like, okay, let's check it out. Right. Like, what Mm. do I got to lose? You know what I mean? Like, obviously her giving, like me having that feeling of just the way she was talking was a sign. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, like I, if I was like getting that excited about like her talking about her own business and me going like, oh my God, like I would love to like open my own store. Right. Like you're mm-hmm. making me want to open my own store, which has been in my radar for a very long time anyways. But it was like, this was just like the culmination of the things. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> <You know>? mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's take the next action, you know? Yeah. Totally. And see what happens. So, (laughs) so yeah. And then it's funny because then I get into this, uh, like a a pattern that I've seen myself get into is like, then I get almost like stuck on that. I'm like, now I have to have it. You know what I mean? And I have learned to now pull myself back from that, like desperation feeling like I have to have this to, if it's for me, then it's for me. Mm. Like if this is what is supposed to happen, this is what will happen. Like I am taking the actions and I have no control over the outcome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that manifesting, right? And if it's not this, it's something better. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, like, when I talk to my fiance about it and everything, and we've been talking about it back and forth and talking with the lady that, that is renting the space and all that. And, and, um, it's just funny. So I'll kind of tell you the whole story because it is, it is interesting. So <clears throat> she showed me the space and I was like, love it. You know, it's great. Rent was a little like, little high and I so I tried to negotiate with her a little bit and she you know what I the first thing I threw out there she was like hell no right (laughs) but I was like well I'm gonna just go for it and see what happens right might as well just throw out what I you know like the lowest case scenario and build up from there like that's kind of how I felt about it right so I was like all right let's see what happens she was like no but we can do this and then I was like well what if we did this and and she didn't remember this the last email that I sent her I'm like I wonder why I haven't heard back from her in a couple days because she had said oh okay stay tuned right in her last email and I was like oh I wonder why I haven't heard back from her so I saw my friend the other day and she's like, you just, you need to be persistent. She's like, call her, Mm. just tell her that you're, you know, just checking in or whatever. Mm. And before I wouldn't have, like, I would have been like, nah, you know, I'll just let it go and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But I called her, I called her today and she was like, oh, I thought we said this, blah, blah, blah. I got to go back and look at my emails and whatever. Um, So I'll get, I'll get right. I'll get back to you. Yeah. And she got right back to me and she was like, okay, so here's what we can do. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you more, please. 
<laughs> yeah. And that's where the woo <laughs> meets the do, right? To use your phrase. Yes. That's where the woo meets the do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because you have to take inspired action. Mm. And especially if the signs are being put in front of you, like my friend could have said to me, oh, well, you know, maybe she's just busy or, you know, like she'll get back to you eventually, or she could have said anything else. Right. Mm. But she didn't. It was like speaking through her. It was like, be persistent, call her like, and, and to me before, and even a little bit right then when she said it, which may even go back to inner child, right. Was, but I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to yeah. seem like a pest. I don't want to yeah. seem like annoying. Mm. You know, um, mm-hmm. but then just all the things I'm like, I really am, you know, learning to listen and follow yeah. the breadcrumbs because that's what it is. You just, you got to follow the breadcrumbs of what feels good. And that pull of like not calling her was definitely not as strong as the pull to call. And it was like, after I had even called a couple other places and I was like, you know what, let me just call Cindy and see what she says. Right. And yeah, there it was, she was like, Hey, oh yeah. All right. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that was that going back to the inner children work. Mm -hmm. That was you recognizing that the energy of that inner child or that belief system wasn't serving the situation as the adult you are now and so you were stepping away from that pattern and going okay I'm gonna I'm gonna treat this situation as the adult I am now which is fantastic that's like kind of where you want to head to with any inner children healing work yeah yeah it's funny so I'm glad that you know interesting that we had this conversation now because it's like oh yeah that pattern and yeah I did feel like that and yeah I have felt like that you know like bugging people you know what I mean like you know how you're like I don't want to be annoying by keep asking or whatever because that Mm -hmm. must be well I'm gonna have to do some work on that one right (laughs) yeah yeah there must be something in 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 there somewhere some inner child that says I must have been, I I felt like a pest or I felt like I was being annoying or I asked too many questions or whatever. I I kept bugging somebody about something or something. Totally. Absolutely. Until they were like, stop, like you're being annoying, you know? And that probably like sent that child back to like, okay, well, I guess I just won't ask anymore. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and even as something as small as like being sent to your room for that, then you make this association as a kid Mm. that, oh, well, I was being too talkative or I was like taking up too much space. And and that phrase, you know, that children are are meant to be seen, not heard. So many people I work with find Mm. that that's a belief system in them that, that they end up like, reprogramming basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah definitely well that definitely all came full circle so <laughs> <laughs> I love it we took a massive detour but I think it was meant to be you know like I didn't expect to come on here and end up talking about spirit ushering and like 
past life healing and all sorts of stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it because that's a big part of the training and coaching I do, but it's mm-hmm. just funny how it kind of all came out. Yeah. Yeah. It's all came out the way it was supposed to. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I will ask you to let everyone know where they can find you, how they can work with you, share all the things. Yeah. Sweet. So for anyone who stayed on this journey with us, congratulations. (laughs) It was a long one, but it's going to be worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a little like podcast marathon, Uh, but hopefully we've kept people interested enough in what we're doing. Um, yeah, so you can find me, my, my handle on Instagram, on my, all my social media and my website and everything is empowered with Raphael. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that the links and stuff will be connected to this podcast, right? Yeah. Like yeah. on social media and stuff, but empowered with Raphael, which is spelled exactly like the archangel Raphael. And no, I didn't give myself that name. I was first. <laughs> um, and uh so that's on social media my website is the same empoweredwithraphael.com you can email me as well um and if you would like what i've put together is a very special um gift to everyone who's listened and particularly special gift to those people who've made it to the end with us um (laughs) of a um inner child healing workbook Mm. and this puts takes you through a lot of the content that we've talked about but it also gives you the step-by-step process of connecting to those inner children and as I mentioned at the beginning it also takes you through some really critical questions to journal and reflect on in regards to your inner children the experiences the support that they need and then there's a section on reparenting as well and also on reframing so it's like yeah, it's a good few pages long. It's quite comprehensive with a, it's an, and it's an interactive PDF that you can, you know, like save for, on your desktop and you can um, complete or you can print it out. Um, and it's designed to help you start that journey mm-hmm. of connecting to those inner children, understanding them more and soothing some of them. Um, and please, if you do you know, download it and you fill it in. If you've got any questions, please reach out. If you'd like to share any bigger harm moments that have come through, I would love to hear. I love just connecting with people on this stuff and, and finding out how they're going with the work um, and how they're empowering their own journey. Amazing. Mm. I'm going to download that myself. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what your aha moments are about it. Yes. Speaking of aha moments, anyone listening and like Raphael said, if you got to the end of this with us, one, I am super proud of you for for powering through this with us. And, and uh, that just means we did our job in keeping you entertained and with lots of valuable information. So we want to hear from you. We want a screenshot of this episode, tag us on your Instagram stories tell us what you thought, send us DMs, just we're here. So, um, we love questions. We love comments. We love whatever you want to tell us, uh, good and bad because it helps us grow. Even if you thought it sucked, we want to hear it too. Cause, (laughs) but tell us why. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you think it, it, I mean, I I love this conversation, but if for some reason you were like, you know, that really could have gone a whole different way, please tell us 
what different way, because that's how it helps us create the content that you want to hear. So, so we want to hear, um, all of that. So, you know, me where I am, uh, on Instagram, and now you can go follow, uh, Raphael at empowered with Raphael on IG and Facebook. And, um, we will see you in the next episode. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome.